Hello, elders, deacons, ministers, ministry leaders, and other church leaders. Thank you so much for joining us today for the Effective Church Leaders Podcast, where we believe that everyone deserves the support they need to become more informed, more confident, and more effective church leaders. Hey, that's what the Lord and the church deserves, right? Right. Well, we're going to answer, well, we're going to try to answer a question that we get often from church leaders. It's a question that we especially get from ministers and missionaries and from ministry staff. The question that we want to address today is this, how should we measure success in ministry? It's a toughie. I think it's a great question and one that's, I think it's really hard to answer Mm -hmm. because success in ministry is traditionally difficult to define and still more difficult to measure. Mm Mm-hmm. I think what makes this question an important one, several factors make it an important question, but one reason is that many wonder if they're successful in ministry. I mean, who doesn't wonder that when they're working their hearts out? You know, they doubt, sometimes they doubt that they're successful or they have been successful. So this question may determine how encouraged God's servants are or whether or not they even want to stay in ministry. Yes. It's, a, it's a big question. Or whether or not they even stay in ministry. Mm-hmm. You know, we both talk to ministers and missionaries a lot, all of the time. A lot. Who think about making career changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they wonder if they've been successful where they are and if they should change careers, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, you know, you asked that question. Actually, there's an unproven assumption in that question, right? I'm sure you heard it. How should we measure success in ministry? Mm-hmm. I mean, that question assumes that we should measure success in ministry. Do you think that's a fair assumption? I mean, should we be able to measure success in ministry? What do you think about that? Well, I think my answer is going to be yes. I think we should be able to measure success somehow. We, We should, to some extent, focus on the results of our ministry efforts, and we we should somehow track progress. Otherwise, how do we know that we're reaching our goals? And I guess that assumes that we should have goals, but... Um, shouldn't we have goals? I think so. Yeah. Isn't that the point? And shouldn't we make plans for doing the work of the Lord? I think so. The real question then is how to define success and how to measure it. There you go. Every minister and church leader I know wants to be successful. Mm -hmm. I mean, they want to be productive. Or they wouldn't be in the job. Sure. I mean, they want to know, they want to have the assurance that their work matters, that it counts for something, that they are making progress. And that they are accomplishing their goals. They're doing what God called them to do. Yeah. Yeah. Now, before we suggest some ways to measure success in ministry, why don't we talk about some flawed ways of measuring success, ways that maybe Mm -hmm. we typically measure success that we should not? I think that's a good idea. We should say some of these out loud because we may not put them in this category of flawed Uh, success measuring Mm -hmm. because one of those big ways is busyness some may think that if they're abnormally busy their lives are just chaotic that they're successful because you know we live in a culture that rewards busyness it's like the busier you are the more important you are but busyness does not equal productivity it does not equal success at all right agree i couldn't agree more yes you're right that does seem to be one yardstick in the culture in which we live that successful people are busy people, and that's just not the truth, right? Mm-hmm. I think another flawed way of measuring success is popularity. Mm-hmm. You know, a person can be popular and 
might even be seen as somewhat of a celebrity. Oh, there's such a celebrity culture yes. and religion these days, yeah. But the number of people who may think that we are all that and a bag of chips does not mean that we are successful, right? Right. Okay. Right. Let's do mention numbers. Let's talk about that. Numbers may not be the best metrics that indicate success because either it may not be accurate on the success or the failure side. I mean, great numbers may not measure success and low numbers may not indicate failure. You get where I'm going with that? Sure, yeah. I think it's so easy for us to be deceived by numbers. We can easily look at the numbers and feel like we're either successful or like we're failures. And Mm -hmm. we can easily be self-deceived by looking at numbers. And it's so tempting to measure success by numerical growth, I think. That's just a reflection, though, again, of our North American culture, don't you think? Well, I do. But let me push back a little bit, see what you think about this. Okay. You know, our listeners may not understand that there are times we see things a little differently. I'm just sure they'd be shocked to death. (laughs) Well, well, (laughs) to try to get serious now. Okay. On the other hand, Luke talks about, he talks a lot about the numerical growth of the church in the book of Acts, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. I mean, so would Luke push back? On what we just said about not using numbers as a metric for growth. I mean, he does mention that about 3,000 people were added to the number of the disciples after Peter's message in Acts 2. And he also tells us in Acts 2 that the Lord added daily to the number of those who were being saved. Yes. In chapter 4, he informed us that many who heard the word believe, and they numbered about 5,000. Those are numbers. Mm -hmm. But he also spoke spoke about progress in other terms, didn't he, in other scriptures? Bible boy, don't you have some verses over there? <laughs> well, that's true. In fact, I've got my Bible right here in front of me. You know, you for example, it. I did. You know, <laughs> in Acts chapter 2, for example, Luke tells us sort of a summer statement in Acts 2, 43, awe mm-hmm. came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. Okay. Now, Luke is going to measure success here by having things in common, by Mm -hmm. losing selfishness, by willingness to share possessions and goods. Uh, They distributed those proceeds to all as any had need, he says. And day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts. They praised God. They had the goodwill of all the people. So there's sort of a qualitative measurement there of success, right? Well, we see that as successful verses, but there's not one number. Not one number. Right. And then there's uh, Acts chapter four, beginning in verse 32. And this is right before we have the story of Ananias and Sapphira falling down dead because they lied to the Holy Spirit. And again, in that passage, Luke tells us that uh, people were willing to share their needs with one another. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, share their resources with one another to meet the needs of each other. Right. And then I'm thinking, too, about chapter 5. And uh, let's see, where is it that I want? It's one page earlier, honey. It's verse 14. Yet more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, great numbers of both men and women. My point here is that in, in chapter 5 and verse 14, Uh, Luke does say that more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, both men and women. But Mm -hmm. there's no number mentioned. Right. But he does talk about the growth of the church, the expansion of the church. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So that, that's one way to measure growth. Right. And, and there's the missionary journeys, too. Okay. Luke tells of the success of Paul and his missionary team as they established churches all over the Mediterranean world. I mean, we do want numerical growth. That's in the back of the mind of every conscientious minister, I'm sure, every church leader. However, as we have said, numbers are not a reliable gauge to indicate either success or failure. Mm, okay. Well, why don't we talk about faithfulness? Mm, okay. Don't you think? Look. Yes. Don't you think that as long as we are faithful to God, we are successful? I mean, isn't this what God wants? Doesn't he want us to be faithful to him? Faithful to proclaiming the message of Jesus. Faithful to doing the little things day in and day out that show our dependency, our dependability, our loyalty to him. A faithfulness to be faithful to the people around us. Mm-hmm. Isn't that important? I agree very, very much. But now we're talking about measuring success in ways that may not involve numbers at all. You know, you talked about being faithful to the people around us, to our relationships. When I read the New Testament, I see a huge emphasis on interpersonal interactions and relationships. Uh, you know, what about love one another, be devoted to one another? Think about all those one another passages in the New Testament. Surely success could be measured by the relationships that we have with one another in the body of Christ and how we treat them and care for them and love them. Well, you make a good point. I know. And <laughs> and when I read Paul, uh, it doesn't it seem that Paul makes much of character? Ooh, yeah. not like that. I mean, it's important to him that we grow into the image of Jesus, that we become like him that we acquire his character traits, that we become Christ-like. And how about growing in our acquisition of the fruit of the Spirit or growing in faith, hope, and love? I couldn't agree more, but how do you measure those things? How do you measure increasing faith, hope, and love? I mean, that's a challenge, although we probably all agree 100%. Yeah, well, perhaps there's a way for us to measure success both quantitatively and qualitatively. Whoa, statistics, boy. uh, For example, could we measure uh, those that we're trying to serve? I mean, we could use numbers in that way, couldn't we? Well, yeah, I guess. Or, Or how about the leaders that we are trying to develop? Or maybe the number of spiritual conversations that we are having with our unbelieving friends and neighbors. I think there's a way to use numbers, but maybe we're just trying to measure the wrong things using numbers. Yeah, that's interesting. You're saying that there's a place for measuring success by numbers, that we just need to be very selective and careful about what we measure by numbers. Right. Um, Maybe not the number of people in the pews on any given Sunday morning, but some way to measure the growth in the character of Christ of those people yes. sitting in the pews? Yes. I mean, because numbers can really take us down a rabbit trail, too, where we start keeping a tally of things, and then it starts pointing to us. Yes. But we still have to have some place of accountability. And the use of numbers can appear to be very legalistic, too. Yes. Um, I guess one thing that I think we should encourage our listeners to do is to think about think about taking steps that lead to Christ-likeness, taking steps that lead to spiritual maturity. Think about a discipleship path. And and by the way, uh, 
we have produced a field guide that I think people might appreciate getting. Mm-hmm. It's called Steps to Becoming More Like Jesus. You did a good job on that. I like that one. Well, you know, and it's, it's sort of a discipleship path where, mm-hmm. where we say, okay, these are the steps that people take to become more mature in Jesus Christ. Uh, steps like worshiping regularly with, with believers, uh, volunteering in a ministry of the church, joining a small group. Uh, building close spiritual friendships, developing a strong prayer life, so forth and so on. I think we list maybe 12, 15 different steps in that particular field guide. But I'm wondering if there's a way to measure, uh, numerically even, to measure quantitatively uh, the taking of those steps. I mean, is there a way for me to measure, for example, if I am spending a daily quiet time with God? Is there a way for me to measure my growth in my prayer life? Is there a way for me to measure the times that I meet with a spiritual mentor, for example, and we have a healthy spiritual conversation? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm saying there may be ways to use numbers, but also to apply those numbers to a different set of factors, things that we may not have considered. And by the way, that field guide, if people would just go to our website, effectivechurchleaders.com, uh, they could find access to these field guides and to the other mm-hmm. content that we offer on the site. But that just reminded me of that field guide and how maybe we can measure those things, for example. What do you think? Well, I do like that, and I think it's, it would be even great to go through those steps to spirituality with other people. Sure. Um, where it might be more of a community project, and, because we have to find some way to track our progress. Amen. And our spiritual growth. I mean, we've got to know if we're moving off dead center. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or we can just be splashing around in the kiddie pool and not know a thing about moving forward and being more like Jesus. We have to have something that helps us move forward. So maybe in those areas, we can do some numerical accountability. Somehow. We're back to that question. How mm-hmm. are we going to track it? How are we going to measure spiritual growth? How are we going to measure progress? Well, let's close this discussion with some specific suggestions. Good Um, idea. I think we've got a few that we might offer, and here's one that we would suggest. Take a long-range view of ministry. When you're looking at success, go for the long game. When you're looking at it, be faithful, be patient, don't expect overnight success. You know, when we try to change things in ourselves with the Holy Spirit's help, it takes time. And it often takes years even before a fruit tree will bear fruit. So let's take a long-range view of what success in ministry would or could look like. I think that's a great suggestion. Here's another one. It would be to focus on our mission and on our vision. I mean, what is the mission of your church? What is the vision of your church? What, What do you want to accomplish in the next five years? What is your personal mission? What in the world are you doing at church and in your life? Yes. I mean, what right, are you doing? Right. Focus yeah. on those things. Uh, for example, what is your role as a gospel preacher? Are you filling that role? Mm-hmm. Then we would say you are a success. If you're fulfilling the role that God has given you, the calling that God has given you, you are a success. What is your role as a shepherd in your church? If you are doing that, if you're faithful to that, then you are successful. So I think that we, we do need to clarify our role and our mission and our vision for the future. I think some of the ways we can do that clarification, too, is to write some stuff down. You know, what is the role of the minister? What is the role of the shepherd? 
What is the mission? What's the vision? You've got to have some things in place for everybody to know if you're making progress, if you're doing what you said you're going to do. And you measure that success by whether or not you are accomplishing that Mm -hmm. role. Good. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, And I think a third suggestion to church leaders would be this. Don't hold your minister accountable for the number of people in the pews. Mm. They can't be held responsible for the numerical growth of the church, especially all by themselves. To do so would likely be applying a business model to the church, and this would be to run the church like a business in a negative way. We've talked about that there are some business principles that are positive, but in this way, it's a negative way of using the business model. Yeah, I agree. And You know, you mentioned that church leaders ought not hold their ministers accountable for numerical growth. You know, isn't there a scripture over there in 1 Corinthians that says God is responsible for numerical growth? God brings the increase. What what I think church leaders should hold their ministers accountable for if they're being faithful to their role. Yes. So it goes back to defining the role, clarifying the role, and if they're fulfilling that, then the results are in God's department. If you're planting the seed... And watering the seed, you need to entrust it to God to give the growth. Mm-hmm. That's what Paul says over there in First mm-hmm. Corinthians. Yeah, Good. but we've known preachers to be fired because the church wasn't growing. Sure, fast enough. yeah, this church isn't growing. We, we need a new preacher, and, as if he were responsible. Yeah, and no one else was doing much except the preacher. Exactly. So. Okay. Well, enough said, right? Yeah. Uh, that's a challenging subject for sure. How do you measure success in ministry? Very difficult. We hope these suggestions will have been helpful to our church leaders and friends. So we're going to call it quits for today. We'll plan to return next week for a brand new episode of the Effective Church Leaders podcast. And again, church leaders, if you have a question you would like for us to address, please contact us. I mean, we are here to support church and ministry leaders to help you become more informed and more confident and more effective in the Lord's service. So if you know Void, we can help you. Let us know. Please let us know how we may help you. So until next week, God bless you. 